We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast. You have Alex Hurst, Simon Campbell, Charlotte Robson and Michael Carling to talk about our disgrace at home to Cambridge United in the FA Cup third round. Newcastle are out. There's something familiar for us all to embrace and understand. And Charlotte, you were at the game. You aren't happy. No, it was terrible. It was awful. Um, I mean, it's a disgrace to lose to a League One side, Cambridge. We had a few scrappy League One fixtures in the last FA Cup um, run that we had. And that was bad enough. And, And sort of what you expected but we've been getting a bit better we've been be, we've been a bit more cohesive yeah it's a slow slow going but i did not expect it wasn't a good game cambridge didn't but they they wanted it more and and they they won and it was just pretty appalling for most of our players on the pitch yeah it's very very hard to to try and you know understand almost and that's what we're trying to do that's why we have these conversations to try and explain and understand what we've seen and for a team you know pretty much Eddie Howe's strongest team I believe there was three players missing through illness or injury and that probably might have started in terms of Dwight Gale mm. uh, Jamal LaSalle and Kieran Clark but apart from that and Callum Wilson of course it was almost a full strength squad to choose from and to to, to not score to lose in the way we did uh, to, to, to let down uh, a fan base that has given these players much particularly this season with results being as bad as they have. They haven't turned on the players. They've, they've stuck behind them and, and to repay them with that kind of performance is, is very, very disappointing. From, from my perspective, the, the fact that, like you correctly said, Charlotte, Cambridge wanted it more. There were two Cambridge players to every Newcastle player in possession in attacking position. There were runners for Cambridge. There was, there was just a, a, a determination which turned into, you know, at the start, I think it was determination. That turned into belief the longer the game went on. Um, I'm very, very, very disappointed. This game, apart from the context of the Cup and the context of the Premier League, which we'll talk about in future, this game was an opportunity to get our second win in 20, 21 first-team fixtures of the season, and we haven't done it. And that in itself, that statistic alone, is uh, is damning. Mickey, you watched the game. Uh, what did you find most disappointing about the performance? So the way we came out in the second half, you know, the, fir- the first half was disappointing, but it was disappointing because we didn't score, not because of the way we played. And then the, the way they've come out in the second half, and particularly the way we've reacted to to Cambridge scoring was was pathetic. It was the a, a sign of a team that didn't want to be there. Those players didn't want to be on the pitch. They didn't want to play for this team at the minute, and that's that's all I can take from it. It was as disappointing as it could possibly be, and it's an attitude problem that is going to be really, really hard to reverse without a number of massive signings. The context of it is this is the, the latest of many new dawns 
under this new ownership and it's another one which has gone spectacularly wrong again and it's going to take a lot to recover for the weekend. Sign, you're particularly concerned about the goal we conceded. <laughs> it's one of, one of the worst goals. I mean, I've said this, I don't know how many times this season, <laughs> but it's one of the worst goals I've ever seen. Uh, I still can't quite get my head around how it happens. Um, the Bravka comes flying out. He makes himself big. Okay, fair enough. He's expecting the, the lad to take a shot. He doesn't. The ball just seems to roll through his legs and then he sort of scrambles around. Um, there's three defenders right round him. None of them get to the ball first. There's the Cambridge lad just comes and nicks it. Chips it over. Cher gives a terrible, terrible headed clearance straight to there. I don't know who the lad is who scores. Um, is, he, is he the striker? Ironside. 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 Um, and he just like scuffs it in. It's, it's one of the worst goals I've ever seen. But you're right, Mickey, I think uh, from that point on. The only thing I'm trying to um, spin this into a positive, I don't know how, I don't know why, but... It's very unlike you. I, I have a feel, like from that point on, it felt like that match meant everything that came with United and yeah. it didn't to us. And whilst that's not okay for the 50,000 people in the ground, it's kind of like, yeah, lads, don't, don't try and injure yourselves trying to get through the FA Cup here. Like, this, there's, there's bigger games ahead. So if the lack of effort that seemed to be put in from that point on was because we thought, right, well, fair enough, we'll just let this one go. <laughs> whilst it's not, it's not okay, I can kind of understand it because we've got Watford next week and that's a much, much bigger game. I feel like if that's the case, then why did we play the players that we played? If it was if it was going to be, let's let this one go, why did we not run out Ellie Anderson or, or any of those players? True, but we've, we've had two weeks off, you know. These yeah, lads yeah. need a game. They need a game of football. I think they looked like they'd had two weeks off, to be honest, mm-hmm. at the worst possible time with Christmas and maybe they just like didn't have 90 minutes in them. But I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find reasons for it to explain away what happened yesterday and that, that's what I've got. I can't accept that. That's just not good enough. It's not good enough for a professional football team. If you're on the pitch, you're supposed to be playing to win. It shouldn't take a risk of injury for a Newcastle United team that are in the Premier League to beat Cambridge. Yeah. It shouldn't, and it's it's just unacceptable. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. I, I like the, the, there's, there's a couple of parts to it for me. There's like Newcastle at nil-nil, Newcastle at nil-one, and Newcastle at nil-nil I still think aren't good enough, I think, are lethargic, I think, are wasteful. But as, as a couple of you have said, dominate the game, create and it's not just the chances people didn't watch the game or listen it's not just the chances you might have seen on highlights they created a number of situations in the first half where you know completely wasted fantastic opportunities to put the ball on the back of the net um so whilst that was more acceptable i was still very disappointed with the performance in terms of what you say si about you know the uh, level of importance the, the the football club or the manager or the players attached to the fixture in the competition you know eddie howe looks foolish therefore because in his pre-match comments he talks about this being a massive game he expects mm. us to win he expected a good performance he got neither of those things and i suppose the the, the issue the issue with that level of performance particularly at nil one is where are the standards because if, if 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 that if that is deemed to be acceptable on any level we will get relegated and that's that's we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the season later but that's the concern to me that that group of players could produce that performance against any opposition, not just the 16th place team in League One. There, there was so much wrong with it. And, and to give you a couple of things that were wrong, you know, I've already talked about how hard Cambridge worked off the ball. We didn't work off. We didn't work hard off the ball. We didn't. We didn't play in partnerships. Players were often by themselves. There were, there were often players isolated in attack. Often, you know, ASM, who we might talk about in a bit, would have three men in front of them. Where are the fullbacks? Where are the midfielders? Where are the runners into the box? You saw that a little bit in the last 10 minutes. Players starting to make forward runs in the penalty area to try and create space. Everything was static. Everything was almost like, these lads will wilt. Give it five, give it 10, give it 15. They won't be able to keep us. They only match us. They're not fit. 
that this this will be easy and it, and it's disrespectful. I thought the performance of some key players yesterday was disrespectful to the opposition. You saw um, at you know the last ten minutes, a li- it was almost like they woke up. There was urgency. Joe Linton was running. Mm. People were people were having a go at the the Cambridge goalkeeper. People were having a go at the Cambridge players. That didn't happen for the previous eighty, and that that's the tone that was set. We'll talk about Eddie Highlight later uh, as well. I'm promising much for later in the show, <laughs> trying to keep it on track. He has now got to... He, he will now understand the worst of some of these players, in my opinion. I, I, I'm not just trying to stick up for him. We'll talk about him in a bit. But I feel like he possibly didn't think that some of what we saw yesterday was possible. I'll give you as an example. Okay, Jacob Murphy. I've seen some criticism on social media about how taken Jacob Murphy off because Murphy had this disallowed goal. He hits the bar. He has a shot. Uh, he has a couple of shots, actually. One which I don't think he does very well on at all when it looks nice for the camera and the keeper makes a nice safe parry in it, but it's actually a really poor attempt in terms of the position that we were in. Um, Jacob Murphy was frustrating Matt Ritchie, Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, and John Joe Shelby relentlessly towards the end of the, end of the first half because the plan was with ASM playing through the middle, and you know what you're going to get from ASM playing through the middle, he's going to drop deeper and deeper in search of the ball. It meant that Cambridge actually, surprisingly, played quite a high line, which really shocked me. So then the plan for that was Fraser and Murphy, you run in behind, stretch them, and Murphy, for whatever reason, relentlessly came short for the ball. Like, Richie and Shelby were losing their shit at him. It's like, because they were like, you need, like, when Richie gets the ball at fullback, on your fucking bike, mate. When Shelby gets the ball and gets his head up, on your bike, if Longstaff, you should be on your bike. And instead, he's coming short, he's coming short. And it's like that, you know... That's not why we're lost, but what the fuck's going on? You know, that I, I, I can't explain that. And, and, and perhaps I'm picking up on things that aren't that important. But when he was hooked, he was moved through the middle. Newcastle played with three. Basically, all the front three at some point yesterday played through the middle. Murphy played through the middle uh, and nearly scored. And that was, you know, fair, fair play to him. It was a good finish. It was a shame it was offside. At least he was finally doing in that one moment. You saw actually, Murphy, when you get on the shoulder of the defender and you played him behind, look at the joy we'll have. I don't know if he was pulled because he was injured, because he wanted to make a change or because they'd scored, but honestly, the frustration towards Murphy from those two players and from the sidelines yesterday was palpable for me. It was like, like, come on, mate. Like, th- I'm not going to say it. These are shit. That's probably how, yeah. that's how the team thought. Like, if you just fucking play on the shoulder of their um, right back... He isn't going to be able to match you, and yet still, despite having a professional player in this position, he still didn't manage to do it to the extent that he had to be moved inside to try and get him to run in behind Charlotte. Yeah, I just, I totally agree with all of that. I just think it was an incredibly frustrating situation. I, it, it is, it, I, I kind of just want to pick up on your point that it, that it was disrespectful. I, I found it really disrespectful yesterday. You'll hear me. Well, you won't hear me on the match day because you probably edited it out. But like, I kept saying, "Oh well, hopefully they'll they'll just get tired. <laughs> hopefully they'll get tired. Hopefully they don't have this in them for ninety minutes." And if that was our game plan, that's terrible. Yeah, that's appalling and and rude and just yeah. I heard your match day say you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> yeah, when they scored, <laughs> when they scored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is how well, that is that is my that was my like this is I, I felt like following that I was surrounded by children, so I was trying to like rein it in a little bit, but. When they scored, and I shouted that, like my the the thought behind that is this is League One Cambridge United. This isn't a top of League One Cambridge United. This is a team that are sixteenth in League One. They are just promoted into League One. They are not, you know, that they're they're steady, but they could get relegated. Like they're not they're not a great side. This is not a side we should have cowed to at all. 
And and part of it is that we didn't have anyone up front and they didn't know what to do. There were so many crosses into the box and we didn't know what, there was no one there. I have to criticise Eddie Howe on that point. Yeah. Um, I think he should have played Joe Linton uh, as a striker. Dwight Gale obviously would have played if available. Um, you know, Howe confirmed in the pre-match press conference that there were several players who would have featured in the first 11 who didn't because of COVID, but of course he's not going to name names about yeah. players' medical conditions. Um, but I would point to the absences of Jamal Lascelles and Dwight Gale. Probably two players who definitely would have started. And Newcastle would have won the game, but that doesn't excuse anything. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, right, okay, we, we're missing a few players in crucial positions. You still have, you know, unbelievable advantages over Cambridge United. Um, and I think to your point of playing Joe Linton in that position, if you look back at those League One fixtures that we had in the previous cup runs, that is where he was playing, and he managed okay. Like yeah, he got a couple of goals. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, exactly. That was the joke. That, that, yeah, exactly. That was it. It was like get him on loan to League One, <laughs> <laughs> get him down to one of the uh, the local lower league clubs like Sunderland. Um, what concerns me, you've you've said there is how many times are we going to make the mistake as a club of playing Sir Maximum through the middle? Like, why is it? Why have two managers continued to do it? And now I know there's limited options, but you've you've highlighted one there that would have been better and he's done it before. How much worse could one of the young lads have done coming yeah. in and playing up front? Like it's, we've got so much evidence of Sir Maximan not working as a striker. It's just mental to keep doing it. I guess, I guess they just thought it's Cambridge. It's Cambridge lads. And, and to be fair, Mickey, I agree with you, but Sir Maximan playing through the middle against Man United was excellent. To my surprise. So mm. it, it's, but yeah, how it's no- totally different But, game, but how noticed is that yesterday and pretty soon Sir Max has moved to the left and then the right, and then back through <laughs> through the middle towards the end of the game. Um, I agree with you with it, with the young lad thing. I think it's always, I, I'm always hesitant to go down that route, but the fact that the young lads play against teams like Cambridge mm. in the football league trophy, it's not, it like doesn't suggest it's too big a, a thing for them to do. I appreciate there's more about playing a young lad in front of 52,000 and the effect that can have on someone's career if it goes badly. But the longer the game goes on, you're just like, and I think I text you, Charlotte, half-time, just like, like, we just we just need a strike. We just yeah. need to sign a striker here. Like, it, imagine the chances a young lad would have had in that game yesterday. A proper striker in the box. Imagine it. They would have scored. Yeah. Promise you, they would have scored. Yeah. yeah. Um, really quickly before we talk about uh, the future a little bit in the context of this and, and anyhow a bit more, um, Charlotte, I'll ask you first. Kieran Trippier, impressed. I think he's probably thinking, "Oh no, <laughs> what have I done?" <laughs> um, yeah, actually, he's probably the one on the... You know what? I was impressed by it with Kieran Trippier yesterday. And it, and we've heard it through the pod, through the people we've spoken to on the, on the Patreon and on the free podcast that he's he's got this, like, air of captaincy about him. And you could see that yesterday. Like, there were, particularly um, in the second half, because we came out 100 miles an hour, I said it on the match day, and it was really frantic and it was really scrappy. He kept, you can't see what I'm doing, but he kept um, <laughs> kept using his hands to be like, slow it down, like slow moving the ball around the pitch down. Every time he got it, he took his time. Yeah, he was doing his sort of classic Kieran Trippier long balls and they were going to no one because there was no one there. Um, but I think there's loads of potential. I think once we have more options and hopefully new signings, but also our existing players are fitter, um, and ready to play. I think he'll make a good difference to our side. Yesterday was not the game for it. He's only been here a minute. He hasn't had a chance yeah. to train with us yeah. all. I don't think it's fair to to judge him on that. But I liked that he was sort of taking a bit of um, uh, authority on the pitch. I thought he was superb yesterday. I thought he really showed his class. Uh, he's very, very good on the ball in terms of being able to find a teammate under pressure and not... And, 
a bit kind of like our current set of defenders who will find a central midfielder or a teammate, but like the pass will be too strong or not strong enough. And, you know, Trippier is just a really technical footballer. I also really like it was a strain, not strange, that's the wrong word. It was a different crowd yesterday. Lots of kids, lots of people who might not normally go because of the cheap ticket, and that's great. We want as many new people to experience Newcastle United and, and understand how cripplingly disappointing it can be <laughs> um, as possible. And it was a bit, it was like excitable. So when, when Trippier runs out at the start of the game towards the East Stand, it's like the most noise I've ever heard the East Stand make in about 30 years. Like, <laughs> But it was all kids. It was like this weird, it was like, you know, when, I don't know if you've, been at these grounds when like you know um Pogba came on at Man United a few years ago Ronaldo comes on it's like there's this excitable noise that's beyond a roar that you would normally get in football crowds it's just, it's just, the kids were just so pleased to see Kieran Trippier it was also a nice moment like right at the start of the game he played a first time pass where he kind of like drops his shoulder a little bit up the touchline and like everyone around me just turns and just goes he's class like <laughs> that's all we needed to see Kieran that one pass he's class there's, there's, there's the instant gratification I desired about this footballer to confirm he will be superb for us. Brought, brought in to, to play right back because we don't have any good right backs and what we did instead was move our non-right back into centre back. That was the only problem, wasn't it? Yeah, it was no one else. I mean, this is yeah. this is the thing, yeah. like, I mean, maybe it's for later in the show, but I'll say it, you know, you're not going to beat anyone with, with, with Emil Kraft as a centre back yeah. Matt Ritchie's left back in your back four. It's just Cambridge. Should be should be Cambridge, however. Yeah, fair enough, but they're, they're just that yeah. bad. They are. Didn't. But we didn't. But yeah. we didn't. Yeah. We didn't. <laughs> should should have done, but didn't. I'm looking okay. forward to seeing when Trippy has got someone to pass to in the middle of the in the, in the box. Like his deliveries yeah. were good, and the, the looked poor. I thought, but it was the looked poor because there was no one there. Yeah. Anyone making intelligent runs? Like he's putting it in good places in the box, and there's no one there attacking it. That's it's a problem you're going to have when you don't play striker. Indeed. Okay, that's part one of the show. Here are two adverts uh, from our partners. If you don't want to hear the adverts on the show, you can support us on Patreon for £6.60 a month. There are lots and lots of these podcasts. Over 500 people have now signed up. We are very grateful and humbled by that. Uh, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast if you want to check it out. Uh, We'll be back after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. 
So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Part two of the True Faith podcast, I'll start with you. Eddie Howe, one win in nine games now is not the transformation that we were hoping for. Uh, do you think yesterday could be a transformative defeat or would you support your earlier point that it literally doesn't matter because it is quite simply all about Watford? I'm not trying... I don't want to completely write off yesterday as, a, as we don't have to worry about that. It is worrying. It is concerning. Um, I'd still prefer to dwell a bit more on the Man United performance and hope that that's the <laughs> template we're going to see more of. Um, force changes, as we've discussed already, not being able to put out a proper defence bar trip here, basically, is is a problem. And if we're going to be doing that against Watford, I'm worried. I'm worried about our ability to keep a clean sheet. Even more worried now about our ability to score goals. Um, and that was evident during the Man U game, actually, even though we played very well. The the wastefulness in front of goal before Wilson went off and after Wilson went off um, is, is becoming a concern. Before Christmas, you look at Leicester, didn't score. Liverpool, we got, we got a, a one goal, but, you know, Man City didn't really create anything, didn't didn't score. Man United created loads of chances, scored once and, and should have should have scored more. Um we can talk about Wilson and the lack of striker, but I think we need more from the other players in the team. We need the likes of Joe Linton, the likes of Murphy, the likes of Maximan, Longstaff, Shelby, to put away some of these absolutely guilt edged chances for us to have a chance. It doesn't matter who we sign, these players need to contribute with goals and assists and that's no good. Putting them in front of goal and watch them just miss. And I don't think any of the, um, lots of people are saying the keeper for Cambridge had a blind yesterday. I don't think any of our shots on target were particularly good ones. They're, they're, they're shots that keepers should be saving. Oh, the Murphy one was good. Yeah, it was. That well, was like, yeah. in real time, that's just a goal. Like, Yeah, I don't know. A good keeper should be saving it, and he, and he did. And uh, as with all other chances, we need to get better. We need to, we need to find that cutting edge, that, that kind of killer instinct, and start scoring goals. Because that's, we, we talked a lot about the defence was a shambles the first half of the season when we were scoring plenty. It's kind of... We've got we've got worse in both parts. We're still conceding stupid goals, and now we can't score either. Um, so, yes, I think yesterday we don't want to read too much into a game against Cambridge that, that ultimately doesn't matter. And if we if we beat Watford, we'll forget about it entirely. But I am worried now. I'm worried that unless we bring in three or four really really good players, this team isn't good enough. It's weird that that lack of creativity has come. At the same time as you've got a more progressive team playing more with the ball and further up the pitch, mm. it's, it doesn't it doesn't marry up. It shouldn't be the case, and maybe it's just a case of something's going to click eventually and it all starts to work. But it's worrying that it hasn't, and it's it's extra worrying that it hasn't. And now we've lost our main striker. I felt like it was starting to work just after Christmas when we played Man U. It was starting to work, and actually, you know, I like I was like cheering when Everton and Southampton were postponed because of the injuries that we got, and and you know, the opportunity to get into the um, transfer window um, and and strengthen. But now I think we really needed those games. We needed that momentum. It's completely, it's flat now. It's There's nothing there. And and this break from playing proper football games, yeah, they've been training, but from playing football games seems to have, like, depleted the creativity, to make his point. Like, it was really static yesterday. It was really w- strange to watch at times. And it's slow as well. That's yeah. the thing. I know. I know you're saying the Trippier is trying to calm people down at the start of the game, and that's the right thing to do. But as the game progresses, especially when you're playing against a worse side, you have to make things as quick as possible because that's what lower quality players can't match, and that's what we didn't seem to understand that yesterday. That was that was what really confused me. Yeah. Look, going going out the cup doesn't matter in the grand scheme of this season and the bigger picture. Going out the cup doesn't matter. 
losing one 0 at home to Cambridge United does matter though. You can't get away from that. Like we've 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 not scored and we've conceded a terrible goal again and we've lost against a, a rubbish team. You know they, they they played the hearts out. I'll give them that, but it, they're, they're rubbish and we we we're a team that's won one game all season. Really, really needed to remember how to win games and how to score goals and and how that feels. And we've not we've robbed ourselves of that opportunity going into a game that's like more than a must win. Like it's a we have to win comfortably and then take that forward. And now we go into Watford who you said Alex in the group got battered so that is that is one positive for me 10, ten defeats and 12 yeah I mean the, the stats suggest that we should win at Watford but the stats suggested we should have beat Cambridge so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too excited about that but now we go into Watford which is a massive game like having been beaten by League One Cambridge like that's our last just before I come to Mickey the hope I'm taking is that in in the FA Cup fourth round home defeat to Watford, uh, confusingly the same team um, that we're playing next week in twen- early 2019 under Rafa Benitez. It's nowhere near as bad as Cambridge. However, Watford changed all 10 field out players to basically try and get knocked out. <laughs> and they, they beat us in front of 43,000 or whatever. Um, like in reverse. It was just the easy, like it was, it was an absolute shocker. And the discourse after that was similar to now, different managers, different teams, different situations, I get it. And then nine days later in the next fixture, we beat Manchester City. And then no one, I don't know if people listening to this had forgotten about that game because like, it's just that, that game was gone. It was the cut. At the time it was like, you know, the cup was a chance to start winning games. We'd only won twice, I think, up to that point, maybe three times in that season, um, which obviously is better than, better than now. <laughs> But it was still very much like that Man City game came around, or that massive fixture came around in the league, and the performance was unrecognisable, and the result was obviously unrecognisable, and it kind of showed that the mentality of the players in that fixture against Watford that I'm talking about was possibly looking ahead to Manchester City, which was a massive game coming up, and it was the same thing now. So that that's my hope anyway. It doesn't mean it's going to happen that way, um, but in terms of to support size point, the cup was not a priority this season. It was it was more just about winning games, scoring goals, and gaining confidence as much as any realistic tilt at getting to Wembley. That's what we needed, isn't it? And it it, it just ramps up the pressure. It's the combined context now of the form of the two teams going to this game at the weekend, make it the biggest game in the last twenty five years for Newcastle. And if we lose it, it's done. That's what I think now. That's where we are. Like. It didn't have to be that way. If we can come out, even even if we come out of this game this weekend, haven't won and played well, and then we lose at Watford, we're still capable of bringing in players and and progressing as a team and, and starting to win after that. I think now that that chance is gone, and if if we lose at the weekend, we're finished. I think we need we need to get this squad built very quickly and sorted because we need. They're going to have to pay more. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if, yeah. If, if if it's a difference between getting um, a Bartman or someone like that on Tuesday this week and paying four million more. That normally would be absurd to run a football club like that. But if it's the difference between him having three training sessions and playing Watford to coming in after that fixture and risking it without him, it should be today, man. They yeah. should be doing it all today. Like all of the so all of the execs and that. There's no one in at Lille. They're off. Well, I will are there, though, aren't they? And, and, uh, Yasser's there as well. He's in Newcastle. Or he was yesterday. Like, why are they not making these things happen today? I mean, yeah, you I are rel- you're relying on Lille being at work to like answer the. Facts. Someone's going to answer the. If, if <laughs> someone reads you and says, I'm, I'm going to give you 45 million quid when you're only expecting 32, someone answers the bloody phone like. Yeah. It is Sunday. I am asleep. <laughs> I am starting to wonder if if some of yesterday's performance, I'm posing this as a question really, are we seeing 
what happens when you have a transfer window where everyone's just talking about replacing all the existing no, players. No, 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 no. It's think? the opposite, man. It should be the total opposite of that. Yeah, like, it should. I'm going to replace but me. I'll, I'll, like, Emil Kraft, we've just bought a world-class right back. If he's, he's done, he's done. He had to play yesterday because no one else could, but where's his incentive to even try anymore? Like, he's done as in he can't play. Incentive, but I don't think his performance yesterday lacked effort. He's, it, they just had a big centre the, the urgency wasn't there. The urgency from all of our players wasn't there. Um, like, what, where's their incentive to really bust a gut to, to be Cambridge when they know that their time's numbered. Fabian Cher, we're basically trying to buy two centre halves. He's out of contract. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. Like, like Maximan looks 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 strange at the minute. His attitude is, is very odd. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought he was terrible, but then against Man United, he plays really well. He scores yeah. a great like. It, yeah. it, it's I don't want to rush into kind of condemnation. Particularly, it's easier to do this podcast and say these things like having slept on it because last night it was just like fuck off all of you, never come <laughs> back, Mickey. It's what's the worst thing that can happen to a professional footballer? It's been left out of the squad. You know, that's the risk that a lot of our team are, are taking at the minute by playing badly, being left out of the twenty-five man squad and not getting a transfer. That's what they need to be avoiding. Even the worst ones like like your crafts and that, they should be they should be desperate to put in a performance yesterday, especially when Stavely's there with Yasser. Like there's no better time for them to, to put a performance in. There's Mas- nothing I like more than you saying Yasser, like he's your mate. <laughs> I love keep, it. You keep obviously this is you keep pointing behind me as well. Like yes, yeah, over, over there. That's where the ground is over there. Is it over there? Anyway, um, <laughs> I believe that's to be Central Station. But any um, Yasser, you're right. I mean Yasser, by the way, poor bloke. Like oh, no, Christ. only ever seems to turn up for like catastrophic results. Maybe he should stop coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk about something that someone might have to stop, Charlotte. Uh, Eddie Howe. Post game has upset some. I don't know if he upset you by saying that he thought Newcastle, uh, on the whole, played well. Were unlucky. Yeah, their keeper played very well. He thought the body language and the intensity was okay. What do you make of that? So to contextualise, you get these vox pops and you get these quotes on Twitter, and people are like, "You what?" Like you said, what he was specifically asked about the body language of his players. So you have to you have to kind of take that into consideration. And he said he thought was okay. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him. I thought that most of the players on the pitch yesterday had the body language of people that didn't want to be there, that that weren't really prepared to put in the effort. Um, and so, you know, that I disagree with. A lot of people, and again, it's social media, so it's, it's sort of an artificial um, sense of outrage. It's probably not the wider fan base's view, but people are like, like, how can you say this kind of thing? This does not, this does not put him in good graces. I, on the whole, thought we played okay. H- how can you say that we lost to League One Cambridge? Um, I'm not personally like angry about it. I don't. I think that those comments are misguided. I don't want to write Eddie Howe off. I think he'd do well to see how those comments have been received by the fan base and sort of tweak it going forward you know you made a point and I'm sure you're going to make the point Alex that that this isn't the time to start to start slagging everyone off but I think making comments coming out and making comments like that straight after the game that we've lost that we're out of the cup it's league one Cambridge I know I keep saying that but it's just kind of baffles me um I just think read the room a bit read the room of it and say yeah I didn't think we were terrible but it wasn't a good game or you know there's a lot of work to be done there's some good stuff there to build on I don't know I don't know what you can say that's gonna that's gonna placate the fan base after that loss I don't know I don't know what it yeah, would if, be if there is anything yeah like, 
Yeah, I I understand the frustration because we've had it with Bruce. Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because, like you've just correctly said, he hasn't gone through them in public yet after a performance, and he might want to save that for a more important fixture. As bad as yesterday was, you put in that performance at, say, like Everton at home or something like that, then he might feel more inclined to hang them out to dry in public. But if he says if he says the body language was poor, and you're right, you specifically asked about it. If he says the body language is poor, then it then then that potentially creates a situation from in the dressing room mm. where players might turn around to him and say, "Well, did he mean me?" Or I just listen. I just I just go on, Charlotte. Sorry, I I, I also think to your point there about the dressing room, we've seen managers come out and say the keeper was. Not, not in so many words, but the keeper was crap and, and I'll be talking to him before talking to him. So it's possible as well, you have to consider that Eddie Howe is saying, I thought the body language was okay. I thought that that was an all right performance. And then he's going into the dressing room and saying like, that wasn't good enough and we're going to be working on this. I don't know. I think it's professional of him not to not to slate the players. Yeah. I think um, we saw Bruce do it far too many times um, when he wasn't saying that the performance was excellent. You know, how did neither? He said he, said he wasn't, disappointed with the attitude of the players he didn't go say they played well he didn't say that was a good performance and we were unlucky he just kind of said that there was he did was said that a little bit yeah he well, did he, he tried to say the keeper had a good game but, but I, I think though he was sensible and I, I i think his analysis was fairly sound mm. at nil nil we dominated the game should have scored lots at nil one we're very poor yeah like yeah. that is a fair that is a fair assessment yeah. of the game but yeah. I, th- I think he's right he's, he's basically alluding at the fact that he doesn't want to hammer the players yeah. ahead of the, the season defining game on saturday which is which is fair enough you, right I, I w- you would like to see him come out and be a bit stronger but it's hard for him to do that when he's not really got much credit in the bank at the minute because of the run we've been on like it's not the right time mm-hmm. to start coming out and falling out your players and being a bit more aggressive in the press i think he, he can he's done all right for yeah. me really just being quite diplomatic it's part of me that thinks it's quite smart, actually, because it takes some of the flack away from the players in, in a crucial week for Newcastle. Um, this this team is devoid of confidence. That's so easy to see. And, and if they're getting hammered and hammered and hammered in the press and on podcasts and stuff, they're going to they're gonna be aware of that. Now a lot of the rhetoric is around is around what Eddie Howe said, and that's, that's smart. It's something Mourinho always did really well at Chelsea. If they ever played badly, he comes out and says something a little bit mental that people get annoyed about, and then people only talk about Mourinho. I like that. I hadn't considered that. I really like that viewpoint. Eddie yep. Howe, mastermind. <laughs> Please win some games mastermind. of football. Mastermind. <laughs> Please win some games of football, Eddie. That would be nice. Starting next week against Watford. I think we will finish this podcast there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to you three for your time. We are, of course, on Patreon. £6.60 a month. You hear me say it every single week. And we'll have another free show this week. I don't know what it will be. And then we'll be back uh, next Sunday for the big one, the podcast after. Mickey called it the biggest Newcastle game in 25 years seems like Newcastle always have a biggest game in 25 years this season anyway at the minute it'll be Watford then it'll be Leeds but this is certainly a crucial run of games for Newcastle United and their immediate future as a Premier League club we'll leave it there thanks for listening speak to you all very soon bye bye the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.